Hi, I'm Jordana. Hi, I'm Sean. Hi, I'm Heather. Welcome to Meaningful Play, the podcast where we talk about video games, new or old, light or serious, controversial or inspiring, and everything in between with an academic flair. If you would like to support Meaningful Play, you can do so through Buy Me A Coffee. If you go to any of our socials or meaningfulplaypodcast.wordpress.com, you can find a link there. Thank you, and thanks again to everyone who has supported us. We really appreciate it. In this episode, we try to get our heads around NFTs and consider how they might be used. Apologies for the quality of the audio. Due to COVID, we were unable to record with our usual equipment. We're also in the process of developing a new format, so please bear with us as we look forward to changing it up a bit. Hi guys, welcome back to Meaningful Play. Something we wanted to touch on in this episode was NFTs and specifically NFTs in video games because there's a lot of, and I'm quoting from a very good article which I'll talk about later, there's a lot of terminological arcana, I think (laughs) they phrased it, around NFTs. The technology is really new and it's a little bit mystifying for a lot of people and yet a lot of people also feel very passionate about it. So yeah, it felt appropriate to do a bit of a dive into what they are and what's happening in the games industry with NFTs and who actually understands what they're (laughs) talking about when they're talking about introducing NFTs into games. Um, So probably it's best to start with a bit of an accessible explainer, if you can, about what an NFT is. Um, So an NFT NFT stands for non-fungible token. Um, fungible is kind of a, you know, mushroomy word. I was going to say, it's a um, word in itself that I think most people don't know what it means. Yeah, so fungible basically means, fungible, not non-fungible, basically means it can be replaced by another identical item. So say I have a dollar coin and Jordana has a dollar coin and we swap, we both still have the same value. Whereas okay. it basically means if it's non-fungible, I have the original Mona Lisa, and you have an original Van Gogh, and if we swap, we don't have, it's not an interchangeable okay. bit of work. So it basically just means unique. So it's kind of a bit of, probably a bit of unnecessary language in terms of making it accessible for people. Not that we've ever seen that in tech before. Yeah, it's essentially <laughs> a unique token, and what it is, is it's a token of ownership of a digital item that's record is held on the Ethereum blockchain specifically at the moment. Um, Predominantly, and a lot of the press around it is about its use for digital art, but technically it could be used for any digital item, so like a tweet or a bit of music or a video. Um, But yeah, the important thing is what it is is a token of ownership, which is where some of the humour around NFTs comes into play, because it represents an asset, but it's not the asset itself. The copyright unless there's a special agreement, is still retained by the artist. Um, and a journalist called Harrison Jordan basically summarized this quite neatly on TechCrunch. If you purchase an NFT, you own nothing more than a unique hash on the blockchain with a transactional record and a hyperlink to the file of the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, what polarization around NFTs seems to demonstrate is there's a bit of a contention between ideas of value um, and whether or not this can possibly be valuable when there is no physical yeah. good 
involved. Um, and I won't dive into it too much, but if it's something that you guys are interested in or that people listening are interested in, there's a scholar called Jeffrey West Kirkwood who earlier this year published an article in Critical Inquiry called From Work to Proof of Work, Meaning and Value After Blockchain. Mm. And it's it's quite a thinker. Like it's not like a light read unless you maybe find the stuff boring and want to use it to go to sleep. But <laughs> it's quite an in-depth look at how the, uh, the whole concept of blockchain kind of contends with a lot of capitalist ideas about what is value and what is work and our mm. relationship between value and work and how the technology itself makes that challenging Mm -hmm. and I think because you're not owning anything in the way that we tend to understand ownership it makes it quite difficult for people to grapple with it kind of adds to that terminological arcana which I should have practiced saying before (laughs) I dove into it Um, so as mentioned, the blockchain is a really important bit of technology that allows NFTs to work. And the blockchain is basically a cryptography chain that chains information into a list of ever-growing records. Each block is locked by a cryptographic hash or basically a string of characters that uniquely identifies a particular set of data. Technically, the design makes it quite difficult for sort of transaction data to be stolen or altered, um, which is a big part of the original kind of like purpose of the blockchain was this idea of an international secure um, financial system. It, it isn't that yet. Like, and, and anyone who says it is <laughs> wrong because it's not even legal yeah. in every country. Yeah. Um, some of the sort of like NFT technology. Um, yeah, there is quite a high risk of fraud and there's no legal infrastructure Mm. behind nfts which makes some of the conversations around copyright more confusing and i know there's already been i can't think off the top of my head um but there's been a few like stream it's like internet celebrity streamer type people who have been done for uh i guess scamming their viewers into buying some crypto stuff or some nft stuff so and i know that a few have already like actually got into legal trouble over it so yeah. it's definitely a bit contentious yeah and it, it's going to be really good if you're a lawyer who specializes yeah. in tech because there's no like there's a lot of work to be done to make it viable and, and sort of secure from a legal perspective um the other thing that i think is important about nfts is that when you buy this token of ownership it's a speculative asset which means people are paying because they think it's valuable. It doesn't necessarily have an inherent stable price point. Mm. So if you buy an NFT, you generally are buying it because you hope the value will increase, which is based on a sort of speculative. So it's a bit like stock, except the actual product is still less real than it is in stocks, maybe. Yeah, and I think that's just it. You're not actually buying a product. You're buying like, yeah, you're, you're buying proof that you own the original version of the digital file but you're not unless as we were talking Mm. about unless there's a further copyright agreement attached to that Mm. you're not buying anything else when you think of like 
undergrad comms when we're looking at the original of the copy and mm. is there such a thing you know I think a lot of comms people are like eh. <laughs> how do we talk about this and that's it because I think people are like okay you've bought it but you don't have at a, at a base level you don't have any control of who posts it who can save it off the internet and I think that again comes up that, that idea of value yeah well if you don't hold any sway over it in terms of how it's used or where it's placed what do you own like what what is this product mm. that you have if you don't mind me interrupting yeah, yeah i have an example that kind of so like my partner was actually telling me he texted me this is weeks ago mm. this was becoming huge he was like, oh, you have to read this hilarious thing that's happened with um, the Tolkien Society mm-hmm. and NFTs. And I was like, all right, hit me. And it was basically, so the Tolkien Society is like, they're a charity, the literary society, um, and they're all about how great J.R. Tolkien was, is. Um, and they're big, like you pay to be a member and they have they have power over what's canon and what's not canon, mm. so they're very, it's very big, you know, like very serious organisation. And so in December last year, they purchased some stuff. So they bought 64 negatives of photos of Tolkien and they bought it at an auction. It cost £18,000, which in Australian dollars, I used to say Dublin at half. You might, no, no. not sure. Probably about 45 ish. Yeah, probably about that ish Australian, right? So, quite a lot of money. Um, Maybe, yeah, maybe 35 to 45. Yeah, somewhere around there. You're talking about the exchange rate. Yes. Yeah. I caught up. That's okay. So, they said that that purchase gave them copyright ownership Mm -hmm. over the images. So, they actually specified in this blog post that was made. The negatives and this does give us copyright ownership but something quite funny happened um, basically one of these photos was posted on twitter um by a lord of the rings podcast uh team and they said happy birthday tolkien this would have been your whatever birthday and there was a picture of him and the tolkien society on twitter then tweeted them and then said hey do you have permission to post this image and then they started tweeting other sites and telling them off for using the image because they apparently have copyright ownership over it. So then it became a meme and there's like all these really hilarious memes about, you know, allowed to use this image and everybody like obviously tweeting it more because mm-hmm. they thought it was hilarious because it was pissing them off and so on and so on. And I'll put in the, I'll put a link to one of the funny memes that I quite enjoyed <laughs> in the show description. Um, and I guess, it sounds terrible that I'm laughing and I think it's kind of funny because I think I was like, how can you assess copyright? Because it is kind of ridiculous. Like the fact that somebody on Twitter said, oi, do you have permission to share that image? And they're like, I don't know, mate. I just got it off the internet. I looked at mm. Google images. It wasn't hard to find. And then to tell other people off and say, take this image down. It just seemed kind of absurd and I guess it made me think about at the time how I understood NFTs to be like you can say you own it but who cares <laughs> it's irrelevant in a sense because how do you control that and how do you validate that yeah because obviously there are existing like fair use copyright mm. um, laws as well mm-hmm. I haven't done any research on the relationship between NFTs and fair use but I imagine there would be a lot of conflict there mm. um, potentially um, and I guess it just goes to show that people need to 
potentially be more educated regarding NFTs and what they're actually buying, that they don't necessarily yeah. have the and copyright, and, and also that there's other walls that exist, and that on the internet, your image is going to be shared. Nothing is sacred on the internet. Yeah. There's no possession on the internet. It's so difficult now when, I, when you know, for when we're doing our theses and journal yeah. articles and stuff, where they talk about copyright, and I'm like, this is kind of irrelevant. Mm. Like, yeah. it, it's in a way, it's so archaic, and I think you've got this is so meaningless because to me, as long as I provide the reference, I'm like, it's so irrelevant, and yet it's it's like, well, I don't know what the phrase is, but it's just like grabbing at flies, you know, trying mm. to desperately control what you can, even though realistically it doesn't matter anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, copyright and fair use and all that is so complicated already, yeah, it is. and then we're kind of adding this extremely complicated nft thing to it it makes it even more hard yeah yeah i do i mean i'm not an expert on nfts mm. but i wanted to understand what was happening mm. because even though i do think it's probably not our final place it it is something that is happening and people are talking about it mm. um I think oh. sorry I think what is so fascinating to me um, uh, so in my undergrad I did anthropology and sociology and um, uh, in first year we looked at a lot of um, like gift exchange in societies and I always found it so intriguing that in reality that in our cultures and society like <laughs> we are the people that assign value to yeah. things but there's also like this agreement between people about value right mm, mm, and i feel like what is currently happening with nfts is that there, there just hasn't been this sort of transition yet where we all agree on the value of an nft right mm. and maybe we never will and so there's this 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 conflict because i feel like it's so ingrained that you know in in our culture here in Australia, at least in our society, um, economically, um, when you, um, or as a consumer, like when you purchase something, you usually receive something physical for yeah. it, or, an, or some kind of service, mm. something that is, you know, exists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hyperlink does exist. Hyperlink yeah. is a thing, but, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we assign so much value to something that um, either we possess or we can make use of. Mm. Um, while this just sort of seems like you only have potentially part of it. Um, and we don't assign value to necessarily parts of mm. things as opposed to wholes. I don't know if that mm. makes sense. I think so. I think kind of like what you're alluding to with the Tolkien, we, we don't equate ownership of value of a physical piece of art with ownership of a JPEG. Mm. Yes. And I think that's the contention, yeah. exactly what you're getting at, is we don't have, an, there's no, there doesn't seem to be a consensus yeah. that that could be as valuable in yeah. terms of art collection or curation. And use as well. Mm. I mean, what are you going to do? Click your hyperlink and just stare at the JPEG? <laughs> like, what can you do with it? Yeah. It's odd, right? It, there's like wallet and you can like see people's wallets, mm. right? And see, and it's like, show off my <laughs> shelf, except no one cares except for me. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, there's no denying that there is a value there because some people believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. do assign value to it. Hmm. I do, 
if you have some time to spare, I do recommend that article. It mm. it's tricky because it it's not it's not a tricky article. He just works with quite a few different theories. Mm. So you know there are sections of it that the things that they're, they're to ruminate on necessarily not necessarily an answer, but Kirkwood is trying to tackle that kind of that question about you know if you look at where our ideas of value mm. say in, in the west really broadly and he sort of looks at the industrial revolution and how we started to develop ideas of value in a capitalist society and this sort of almost like glitch moment with this nft mm. that <laughs> for a lot of people it doesn't it doesn't compute like yeah it doesn't make sense mm. but as you say people do believe in it so then if it becomes well in the same way that a lot of people probably think my plastic nandroid figures are kind of dumb and valueless. <laughs> you know, is it? Is it makes yeah. Really valuable. Like, is it just about certain communities valuing different yeah. things? Like, does it have to be valuable to everyone? Like, yeah. 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 Do we need to demonize that as a whole? Because. We, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I made a note of, which is probably, it's another sort of, I guess it, at the moment it feels like an argument against NFTs and again it does come back to that idea of value is that the technology as it exists now is really bad for the environment mm. which also feels counterintuitive for an industry industry that produces no physical goods mm. mm-hmm. um, we know there are other industries that are bad for the environment and we contend with that but we also have to contend with the power and how do you keep the lights on and all those kinds of ideas where NFTs don't seem to have any use in the same way those things do. Mm. So I was doing a bit of reading and according to Cambridge University Center for Alternative Finance, the global Bitcoin network consumes 87.06 terawatt hours of power per year, which is more than the entire nation of Belgium. and it consumes nearly as much energy a year as Pakistan, which is the fifth largest nation in the world by total population. Wow. And the thing that is causing all this energy usage is the physical data centers that are required to process, store, mm-hmm. and encrypt the volume of data causing this. So okay. even this, you know, speculative digital software is very much embedded in physicality. Yeah. Like it doesn't exist without occupying a lot of space, taking up a lot of power, causing a lot of heat to be generated. Mm. And that, a few things people were saying, like it is something that is being worked on because we're quite conscious now of environmental impacts. And yet this is still, this this has still happened in relatively recent history. So it does call into question a bit how much that was a consideration. It's a, I think it's Ethereum, the company that mm. um, you know is obviously a big crypto company. Mm. Um, but I think they're looking into alternatives at the moment. But people are still, um, from what I can see online, there's still a lot of um, uh, like dubiousness about mm. whether or not they're actually going to find um, an alternative to extending the blockchain, yeah. um, just because the technology is so new in a way. Yeah, and even in its newness, yes. it's quite bad for the yes. environment. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's, yeah, a, an interesting thing to be aware of and to kind of conceptualise because a lot, a lot of things about NFTs do come sometimes 
feel nonsensical. Like it's bad for the environment, but nothing exists physically. So, but that, yeah, I think it's good to be aware of. And I must say, like, that is what I come back to when it comes to NFTs, because going back to like the conversation about value and the subjectivity of value, um, who am I to care if somebody buys an NFT? Like, good for them, but then it's like, mm. oh, okay, wait, it does actually have an environmental impact and that impacts me, that impacts, yes. you, know, uh, you know, our world. So, yeah, of course, I'm going to be against, um, you know, the, the, that kind of technology. I think is. It's funny, my first encounter with NFTs was in relation to Neopets, because this is while I was going through my slight Neopets binge. And um, I felt similar, I was like, oh, who cares? But then being on that subreddit, I kind of learned a bit about how people are concerned about this website that's been going down the drain for quite a while and they really want to be resurrected. And they were concerned about where it could, how it could possibly really be resurrected because of NFTs. And I thought, okay, I can see this impacting me. Um, Basically, Neopets needs to make money because <laughs> it's not so easy anymore to run a website just on ads. Um, and they will think they're looking at NFTs. So they created this thing called the Neopets Metaverse. And they said you can create a random, unique Neopet, but literally random. Like, did, what species they are, the gender, what emotion they have on their face, what colour, background, headgear, body gear, like all random. So, like, you might get something that's really fucking ugly. And like, <laughs> I printed out a picture to show you guys. This is what it generated for me. Wow. So, it's a really ugly space mm. robotic Akara with a sun hat and a cape. It's terrible, right? Like, and this is the thing. I've got some cute Neopets already on my website that I got for free. Or I could get this for money. And it's, and it's random, right? You have no control. So there was a lot of outrage um, on the Neopets subreddit because they were like, what's the point? There's no choice and you're asking me to spend real money. And a lot of these people had already paid for memberships for Neopets that gets you like extra stuff. Um, you can't even make sure that you get your own pets. So it's kind of pointless. Like the whole point is I have this cool pet that I'm a big, like spent time on and I designed the way I want to design it. And yeah, I can't get it as an NFT. So what's the point? Um, yeah. yeah. I, I was just going to say, and that I guess that seems to be a theme with NFT technology at the moment is that it's just being applied in like some like generic form mm. almost. Like it's not being thoughtfully you know, applied. Because yes. yeah. this is like, okay, to me it seems okay, perfect. You get an NFT of your specific yeah. Neopet, that's, that's your pet. End of story. But, yeah. And yet it's done in a quite clumsy mm. way. Because Jelly, Jelly Neo, which. Still, yay, is one of the biggest fan sites of Neopets, mm -hmm. and they called for boycott. Mm -hmm. And I was going to give you a quote of what they explained NFTs as, because I thought it was really well explained mm -hmm. for someone very basic who mm -hmm. had never heard of it before. Um, they said, a, a real-world equivalent of an NFT might be a slip of paper saying that you purchased the Mona Lisa, and you can view it in the Louvre Museum in Paris. If Leonardo da Vinci was still alive and had painted it recently, he would still claim copyright ownership over the Mona Lisa. However, if the Louvre ever shut down, you would no longer be able to view it. Mm. And I guess that kind of, you mentioned Mona Lisa, actually, as your example, and I thought, yeah. okay, it's that idea where, yeah, you can, you're not, you're not relying on yourself as ownership, it's living somewhere else. Mm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and they said, okay, and to expand on that, in other words, NFTs are digital slips of paper that name you as the owner of some digital asset. However, you don't own the copyright to the material. The original creator still has the rights over your asset. Assessing your NFT asset and maintaining its 
Resale value is also dependent on several organizations remaining online, functional, and in business. So in those senses, it's kind mm. of up in the air. You don't have control. Um, and I guess it was interesting. Some of the comments on that th subreddit um, on, around on that particular thread were really interesting because people were like, yeah, I just didn't understand the concept. Um, and one person, uh, Voltstar, said, I look at it as being no different than buying an item in an MMO. Mm -hmm. So like whether you buy it for real money or from another player using in-game currency, you technically own the item, but not the copyright. It has value because you can resell it to other players, but if the game goes down, you lose access mm -hmm. to it forever. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good analogy. Like yeah. I, in terms of where is this stuff stored? Mm -hmm. And I think I, when you talk about environment stuff as well, I think I remember a picture, oh, there's been so many crises lately but somewhere where there was flooding and they there was this picture of all these servers just in mm. mud and all and they were like yeah this was for crypto yeah um so it's again that contentious nature i guess of these items mm. but yeah that was kind of i guess my first introduction to it and I'll, and why why it's implemented in a way that it doesn't seem conducive to I success that Neopets example is actually a really useful one as well and it, it kind of it's interesting looking at the first game mm -hmm. that introduced NFTs is also kind of the origin point of NFTs as we kind of I think it was in 2017 um, it was one of the first blockchain games and it's called Crypto Kitties which <laughs> is kind of has quite a lot of similarity to Neopets in that you know, you acquire these cats and you can breed them and you have, I think each each cat is completely unique in a <laughs> way that they're kind of like, seem to be, seems to be trying to do on Neopets. Mm -hmm. um, Cause yeah, generally speaking, that the obvious application for NFTs in games is to sort of like, either replace or be part of existing monetization models. So like in-game purchases of weapons, outfits, DLCs. Like it, you can, I, I, to me, like I'm like, it kind of feels a little bit like a real life, you know, it's sort yeah. of like crossing over the border from games into real life. Which um, I guess people are pushing for in a lot of ways, yeah. like metaverse and but stuff like that. But another really interesting point you made was that it didn't really make sense in the yeah. context of what Neopets is as a game. And I think that's where it gets a little bit awkward is that um, there's a scholar I really like called Catherine Isbister and in one of her books she says, we have a tendency to talk about games monolithically, mm. both as developers and scholars, as if they're all the same mm. in a way that we don't really do with like other f art forms or literature. And, and I think it feels like a monolithic discussion of NFTs at the moment that oh an NFT could be a money making option mm. especially for the big developers like Ubisoft who are looking at NFTs like it's it's a monetization thing but it doesn't necessarily it's not it's not necessarily going to work in every game it's not going to be like yeah. a blanket especially solution. companies like Ubisoft who are already under a lot of fire because of quite awkward instances of I guess um like <laughs> extra things you can buy in that mm. it's like do you you've got to be careful not to ruin your reputation more <laughs> like you know because what i was going to say what i find so 
offensive <laughs> about the Neopets examples that all Neopets have a name. Yeah. And so, you know, even though, for example, you have a JPEG, has the, the image of your Neopet mm. on it, and you've designed it the way that you you want to and maybe that's the same as somebody else's neopet but your neopet has a name and that's that what could makes be it placed, unique yeah that could be placed in the jpeg saying this is the neopet this mm -hmm. is its name i can't get over the fact that they haven't do you know what i mean i do i do <laughs> and maybe it, it just shows my um naivety when it comes to um to nfts and understanding how they work but i just i, I can't do the mental sort of jump of but why didn't they just implement names Mm. Yeah. Why did they not? <laughs> because then, yeah, you could have bought your pet. It seems to be separate. To yes. The, it's like Neopets Metaverse seems to be separate from regular Neopets. And whether that's mm. because they didn't want to, it's an experiment and they didn't want to yeah. like commit to anything and stuff mm. anything up in case you need to separate it later. Yeah. I don't know. But it, it, it's that awkward thing where I get if you want it, if you wanted it to be an experiment to have it separate, but having it separate means that it kind of doesn't make sense. Yes. Mm. And it is, which... You know, it is such a speculative technology. Yeah. Like it's so new, it it probably will change. So, how mm. I don't know how long has Neopets been running? Oh, since late nineties. Late nineties. It would be yeah, a huge yeah. like business moment to introduce it, especially into. as a recovery, like yeah, as a yeah. re rebirth. <laughs> you it, know, yeah. It would be an adventurous choice, but at the same time, as you say, there seems to be. If you were going to introduce NFTs into Neopets, mm. there seems to be already a fairly reasonable framework for that yeah. to be done. Mm. And especially looking at this Crypto Kitties game, which is very similar, like it, that's the kind of game where it seems to have been a successful thing to do. Um, yeah, I was reading a bit about Ubisoft because they obviously introduced an NFT marketplace called Courts, I think. Okay. Um, which has not done well. I think oh. flopped is the word typically <laughs> used. But there was a really um, interesting quote from the VP of the Strategic Innovation Lab, which is a bit of a mouthful for a job title. Um, and a journalist was like, oh, like, why haven't, why haven't these done very well? And we can link the interview. And he said that he thought that gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them and quite literally it's really for them it's really beneficial but they don't get it because of course there's nothing in it for ubisoft at all to yeah <laughs> to, to you know rethink their monetization and they've alienated players so much yeah over, yeah he goes on to say like they're looking at the end game which is quite depressing because we, we hope that the end game of technology and games doesn't we don't really land with nfts and and that's it um yeah and i ubisoft is obviously one of the companies that is very seems to be very pro nfts and there's there's quite a split which i think mm. you've been looking at jordana like i think ubisoft electronic arts square enix as well have all released statements to say like mm. yeah we think this is really good technology it seems to be mostly for them which mm. you know they do have to make they have to make a profit so yeah it's kind of if you look at it from a very like financial perspective but then others like Xbox, Sega, and Epic Games, and a few, quite a few independent studios have been more resistant and more cautious about what 
it might mean to introduce this kind of corporatization mm. of, of digital mm. space. Um, yeah, I know you were looking at some of this stuff though, Jordana. Yeah, industry stuff. So <laughs> um, one example that I found particularly interesting, like talking about that split, so mm. as you were saying, you know, you have some companies like Ubisoft and Electronic Arts that are quite pro-NFT, but then you have um, other companies such as um, Microsoft that um, are quite dubious around it. Um, they're not sure if the technology is worthwhile implementing um, long term. They don't, they don't know how it's going to, um, what the outcome of them is going to be. Um, one really interesting example that I came across though was Valve. So obviously mm -hmm. Valve owns Steam um, and in October last year um, an NFT game, the developers were told that they their game would no longer be able to be published on the platform, mm. even though they had had, I think it's called Age of Rust. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, they had a, apparently a good back and forth with Steam and then it was kind of all of a sudden, no, mm -hmm. sorry, we're not going to allow NFT games or, you know, games that some um, have NFT properties um, on the Steam store. And this was quite confusing in the sense that they didn't really provide an, uh, any kind of like answer as to why. Um, but the developer assumed it was because Steam doesn't want um, real life money being sort of um, exchanged through games. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, obviously Steam does um, sell like um, things like DLC. Mm -hmm. um, and other items, but that has some kind of like gain for them. Um, but these NFT games, like they can't make any profit off the the real world sort of exchange that's occurring within them, like the mm -hmm. currency. It's almost like the Riot thing not being on, was it Fortnite? Not being on the Apple store because Apple would take the cuts, so they, that's why they developed their own. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. like it's yeah. a bit yeah. like that almost, like yeah. we don't want you to take the cut. Yeah. And um, a few of the news articles that I came across um, discussing Valve's um, change were saying this was a very quiet change. They didn't make an announcement mm. about it. They just slipped it into the um, the onboarding guidelines, essentially. Mm. Um, and PC Gamer did, um, I think, a good analysis on it where they were like, this is potentially because uh, of the legalities surrounding NFTs, mm. but they could be considered gambling. And in the past, yeah. Steam has already gotten in trouble for... Um, gam uh, like meta gambling on yeah. the on the platform, um, so that's potentially why they've been um, why they've banned them. But um, there's also speculation that maybe they'll get into the NFT game, and that's why they haven't made a strong statement against NFTs or mm. really gone into an explanation as to why the games aren't allowed on the platform um, yeah. currently. So I found that really really um interesting because it, it to me that's like almost it's not a neutral position but it's definitely more towards the middle of we're going to wait it out and see what happens yeah, um absolutely. especially with the use of like badges and stuff during the sales i'd be kind of surprised yeah. if they didn't come up with their own method yeah. of doing it but like you said legally nobody knows how to deal with any of this yet. yeah like i've got a quote from hank green um, he made a tweet and he was like, look, it's been used for money laundering, for fraud schemes, yeah. theft and tax evasion. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, it's, it's so hard to police and mm -hmm. to govern and to manage at the moment that yeah. you want to pave the way for success, but also you're nervous about mm. trying to figure out what's going to be feasible and what mm -hmm. it could be used for. And um, I believe that the Epic Games Store has um, a similar sort of stance at the moment. Um, I believe they've come out and said that they don't support NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, 
I didn't quite look to see if they allow NFT games on the platform. I'm assuming they don't, but don't quote me on that. Mm. But given that those are massive, um, you know, stores mm. for PC gamers, mm. um, if gamers in the future do implement these marketplaces within the actual game, mm. like they're an indelible part of like the, the infrastructure of the game, then I wonder if they'll have trouble getting onto those platforms. And, yeah. you know, obviously you want people to actually buy and play the game like the nft is just you know the cherry on top it's like an extra yeah. as opposed to being you know this this major sort of financial component you think because you know you want people to buy the game so they can actually buy the nft mm, so it's the second mm, step mm, not mm. the first one um mm. yeah so i think that that could be quite interesting in the future particularly for triple a games that cost a lot of money to actually develop mm. um if nfts will be a bit of a a bit of an issue for them and if they'll have to, I mean, I'm sure that those are the kind of issues that they're working through now is thinking about how they're going to, you know, navigate these legalities, as mm. you were saying, Sean. Mm, mm. Mm. Yeah, I think in the interview with the Ubisoft VP, what he was kind of alluding to was that if you bought, say at the moment you buy, because the Ubisoft store is has been around for mm. a Not while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can buy like different, usually it's different outfits and different weapons. Maybe. I just used it to use my free points to buy new outfits in Assassin's Creed, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, the, what he was kind of saying was that if you bought them as an NFT, you bought an outfit as an NFT, and then you stopped playing the game, you could sell that to another player or kind of like, mm. or carry it sort of mentioned carrying it with you to another game, which is okay. all these companies are looking at building big media brands, right? Mm. To try and retain their player base within their sort of like set of of games. Mm -hmm. So that that feels like it it didn't feel right to me that they would be talking about trading it between other kinds of games, but rather within a particular yeah. set mm. of games. And that's quite scary, like in terms of what that that potentially can do to players because it adds this this sort of perception on the side of on the side of corporate mm. that their players are producers of labor mm. right the yeah. providers of labor that they labor in order to buy this item and then you know potentially sell it on mm. i dislike that it kind of reminds me I know, I know some people do this in like mmos and whatnot mm. where they literally play the game to accumulate items and then they will sell them for real yeah. life money even in um, wow a while ago they implemented a new system where you could spend your in this is like end game people who have tons of money and nothing mm. to spend it on they could use their in-game gold to buy game time and i remember thinking like whoa that's crazy and that mm. was a few years ago they implemented that and i don't know how successful or not successful it's been but i think it's still happening like yeah. it's still implemented so that that's almost like an early version i guess yeah um that seemed quite curious in a way i'm like i get it you've got too many like it's a it's a problem solving technique mm. in that situation I, I understand it and i'm not opposed to it um it's like every technology right like it depends how it's used <laughs> yeah. i also i also felt very cautious around that rhetoric of like freedom yeah. and mm. player agency and like it's for the players no nah. <laughs> i didn't believe, I didn't believe. <laughs> it's it's just it's just fundamentally not mm. you know why it's there it's not like that's not making a moral judgment it's just you know it is a profit driving yeah. it's a sustainability effort by ubisoft to be like how could we continually make a profit over yes. you know because if they design a bit of dlc content 
right mm. and it runs for the amount of time that the game is popular or active and then that game kind of goes that they've from their perspective that value sort of terminates whereas mm. something you look at when you're working in book publishing which was my last career is it's really good to have a book that has like a long tail mm. of sales so like a classic novel perhaps or, or a book that's got kind of like a niche audience it may not sell a huge amount but it sells an amount consistently which helps yeah. create like a stable bottom line to be publishing mm. new books and things like that whereas a big book might have a big sort of sales spike and then drop off when mm. it's no longer part of the zeitgeist and you know so I, I, I that that's I think where they're looking at like value add in games where that work becomes yeah profit making for longer yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is, it's incredibly transparent mm. and, you know, aside from all the other like anti-NFT arguments, like the environmental effects, um, I feel like, yeah, the way that video game companies mm. are using a very particular type of rhetoric, that they're framing it as being for the players when mm. it's actually, you know, for the, you know, as you were saying, the mm. further corporatization um, of games. I think that that is noticed um, by the audience. And um, another great example that I came across um, regarding NFTs mm. uh, this week was um, the Team 17 Metal Worms um, scandal. So Team 17, wow, <laughs> so Team 17, they're an indie publisher. Mm. They actually published Blasphemous. Mm. Um, they've published Ukulele, um, and they also are going under by Agri um, Crab Games. Um, so really, really popular um, indie publisher. Basically, they didn't tell anybody in terms of like the games that. Uh, the, the communities, the developers, the communities um, that were sort of signed to them that they were going to bring in this this Metalworms project. They kind of just dropped it one day mm -hmm. um, and uh, the outrage was palpable. Um, a lot of the companies that were signed onto them, so AgroCub Games, Playtronic Games, um, they came out with statements essentially saying that they would no longer, they would try to end their contracts with Team 17 um, uh, if they continued with the Metal Worms project. The Metal Worms <laughs> project was basically like the Neopets example mm. that Sean gave where you would choose a very ugly worm, like a, a randomly generated worm. <laughs> I'm thinking I got so many hours out of like a demo of worms when I was a kid. I'm just remembering what they looked like. Well, Team 17 were other developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they moved to publishing later but oh, yeah, so okay, that was okay. the metal worm yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's where the metal worms project came from and yeah it was a few days it was mm. literally a few days and then team 17 came out and said that it was they, they'd scrapped yeah. the entire project <laughs> wow um, essentially and i found that that was really interesting um because it does show that you know the people do have the power to some extent um these communities really cared about um the games and the developers and also mm. you know about um what's um implementing nfts um uh, what uh, in Team 17 NFTs would mean um, for those communities and maybe the types of games that they would publish um, mm. in the future. Um, and so, yeah, they, they got together and, you know, they 
they essentially spam Team 17 and said, mm. please, you know, we don't want to support your company anymore if you do implement them. And it worked. However, like, there's a cynical part of me that believes that the only reason why it worked is because it is an indie company. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there is only um, s their finances in contrast to, you know, a, a mega publisher. Mm -hmm. Like, someone like Sony or Microsoft is, you know, there's a significant difference there. Yeah. And so I feel like there's there's still going to be a battle between um you know i feel like in some ways i feel powerless like when some when a company like ubisoft's like okay nfts now mm. it's kind of like well you know we continue to spam them but i don't think that's going to stop people buying their games or mm -hmm. the next far yeah. part of the next assassin's yeah. creed they have like I don't want to say infinite funds because obviously game development the issue is the funds um but yeah they have a lot of power and i feel like there's only in terms of um people like supporting these companies i feel like yeah it's easy to just not buy the next indie game that team 17 publishes um it's a whole different story when you know it's a massive ubisoft mm. game and you know the marketing for it's everywhere and you know all and your friends are playing it's it one of those things where at the end of the day like I might disagree with something a company does, but is it enough for me yes. to deny myself wanting to enjoy something that mm -hmm. I want to enjoy? Yeah. And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. It kind of depends, well, bad, what it is, whatever it is they've done, you know? So it's it's like you're forced, it's the capitalist, the capitalist thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like you're forced to punish yourself yeah. in order to punish the company that you think is doing a bad thing. And it's kind of, that's a whole problematic thing in and of itself. Exactly. I think something that I was ruminating on reading about this technology and also playing Genshin Impact at the same mm. time. Mihoyo is not the best example because NFTs aren't legal mm. in China. And as a Chinese company, you know, it's very unlikely that as they exist now, that would ever be introduced. But part of what makes their game really sustainable is that there's a really big sort of like meta game around it because there are different characters and different ways of Combining. I imagine the fan community is massive, like in terms of oh, hugely so production and like. But part of what makes it accessible is that whether you do pay, whether you're part of the ten percent that does pay a lot of money, or you're a more sort of like part of the more casual like player base, everyone technically has the same potential to access the same mix of yeah. resources. So. You might watch a streamer you really like and they like use a character in an interesting way and you'd be like, oh, well, like, I don't pay, but that's something that I could maybe also do. It kind of create, helps sort of sustain that community by sustaining that metagame. But NFTs as they are now, they're kind of fundamentally individualistic. So if you have an NFT, you can show it to people, like if you have a cool outfit, but like it's not accessible to someone else. Mm. So it kind of takes away that degree of, at least observationally for me, it takes away that degree of relation between players and between communities, which, you know, going back to like this Neopet stuff, does that, it, does it undermine that business model mm. or that approach to enjoying games and sharing games? Mm. I think that that connection that you're referring to is so important. I would say that it almost equates to 
um, fairness in a way. Mm. I mean, obviously, we talk so much about fairness in terms of how a game is like balanced, for mm. example, mm. and um, the types of outcomes that players can receive in relation to one another. Um, and that this kind of reminds me of that because, yeah, if somebody can buy an NFT of a super powerful weapon because they have the funds to do so, but mm. somebody else doesn't, then yeah, that, that does make the game um, unfair in ways. And I feel mm. like this is an argument that's come up for ages though, yeah, like in terms of really loot boxes is. and yeah. other terms mm. of um, like in-game monetization, like pay to win, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think that it's fascinating. Mm. I'm not sure where NFTs are going. It really does feel like there are some companies that are really trying to ram them through mm. at the moment and make them a thing. Um, but it kind of reminds me of that, <laughs> you know, in Mean Girls, where, you know, Gretchen Wieners is trying to make fetch a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then Regina George yeah. is like, fetch is not going to be a thing. Yeah. But that's kind of the feel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, saying that, I feel like, you know, a lot of my observations about the community backlash to NFTs have come from my own echo chamber. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my echo chamber yeah. isn't very pro-NFT, and I've definitely come across so when I've been looking at NFTs on like mm. Twitter and whatnot, getting the, the drama, the goss. Um, it's really surprising seeing how many likes that some pro-NFT that posts get, and like, oh, okay, but there is actually quite a significant NFT community here. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is a bit worry, a bit worrying. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it is a new technology. What kind of, you know, it probably is going to undergo some some changes to become more palatable to mm. potential consumers in the future. Mm. Um, so is it necessarily correct that we boycott them now? But then again, it's like climate change, like mm. the environmental effect. That's something that can't wait. What um, NFTs are feeding into um, um, with that crisis at the moment is somewhat unforgivable particularly um, like there's already commentary on the game industry talking about the yeah. amount of energy they use just to yeah. do normal the mm. regular day-to-day -day stuff yeah. of producing games alone so it's kind of the com combination of two very yeah. dangerous things yeah yeah i think nfts seem like they're attempting to evade understanding but probably mm. the most important bit of work people can do is to try and mm try and get an understanding of the different factors at play. And I did look up a, quite a few different articles that probably do a better job than I did of explaining how the different pieces fit together. So we can pop those as well in the yeah. podcast description Absolutely. for further fun reading. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. From our next episode onwards, we're going to be trying out a new format and a new strategy for audio quality during COVID. See you next time.